I can't remember how or when I met Alex. I just know he'd always been around. He was two years behind me in school, which is a universe apart when you're a kid. But we both grew up in the same small part of Tijuana, and over the years our social circles started to overlap. After college, I began a serious relationship with a close friend of Alex. The Venn diagram had been established, and all of a sudden I was part of a new inner circle. Alex has always impressed me. As I started understanding the dynamics of that new circle, I saw that people looked at him with equal parts tenderness and admiration. He has an extremely analytical mind that is always attempting to deconstruct in order to understand the how and the why of whatever is at hand. By the time my relationship with Alex's friend had ended, I remember feeling extremely sad at the thought of also losing this great new circle. So, despite having moved to a different city, I made sure to keep in touch and nurture these relationships. Talking to him now, I'm impressed by his ability to objectively analyze himself and then look for efficient ways to apply that knowledge in order to improve. He has successfully hacked himself. And above all, he's just a cool dude. You don't run into many Alexes in a lifetime. This is rich, chocolatey goodness. All right, my guest today is uh, Mr. Say your name. Alex. <laughs> Alex, welcome to the ASMR podcast. Thank you. In this podcast, we're going to try and talk as close to the mic as those. Okay, I cannot no, no longer hear you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's ASMR. Um, this is not ASMR. This is the Rich Chocolatey Goodness Podcast with our guest. Did you forget my name again? Or am I supposed to introduce myself? <laughs> you were supposed to introduce yourself. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Alex Romo, broadcasting from the beautiful city of Oaxaca, Mexico. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. Off to an awkward start. Yeah. Just the way it is in real life. <laughs> uh, all right. So why are you in Oaxaca? I've made a, a best effort not to ask any questions beforehand. So I came down here for uh, a friend's wedding. Uh, she's um, She used to be my student back when I used to teach college. And then uh, we worked together for a little while and we kept friends. Um, She's moved around quite a bit, so we just get to see each other like maybe once a year. And now it's her wedding, and I took the red-eye flight. It was, it was really funny because that flight was full of my former students. So it's sort of like it's going to be a reunion of that period of my life, but also with a lot of drinking probably. So I really want to see where that goes. That's nice. And have you ever been out with them as a group? I imagine it's not the first time you drink together. Um. Uh, well, not with this group of students specifically. I've become friends with many of my students, but with this girl, yes, we've gone out, but not with the whole lot because, you know, they're like, well, in the plane, there were like at least 10 of them. Were you messing around in the airplane or was everybody serious? I'm imagining a movie here. Well, it, it was like a red eye and I just took sleeping pill because, um, you know, I wanted to be like, fresh and well-rested for tonight, because otherwise the world was going to tell me, like, you're old man and you're tired, go to sleep, and I don't want that. So I actually slept on the plane and then also slept during the morning in order to be, like, up and running by the time the tonight's, like, uh, rehearsal wedding thing happens. Oh, wait, it's the rehearsal wedding? Well, you know, like, you know, in Mexico, it's not defined as this, but it's, it is a... Uh, dinner and drinks the night before the actual wedding. So rehearsal wedding, it's conceptually what it is, I guess. Although I don't think there's going to be like actually like rehearsing anything. And are you going to the actual wedding? Is it two days of partying or you're only invited to the rehearsal? Oh, I'm going to everything. So the wedding's tomorrow. So I, I need to be strong for both days. 
Yeah, because everybody's going to be hungover for the wedding. Of course. All right. I never had one of those in Mexico, but then I, I didn't really go to many weddings over mm. there. Well, I, I remember your three-day party. That was crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I look... And was actually like six days party? Yeah, I looked like shit in all the pictures. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was very good. Very good partying. Um, wait, so, okay. I gave you some reading material. Did you read it? I did. Cool. Would you care to tell the class about it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm bad with remembering titles of stuff, but it, it was this fragment and it was this uh, conversation where two people were listening to music and one of them was bitching because one of the instruments was a little bit off. And then the dude went out on a tangent where he said he was able to like deconstruct whatever he listened to in his mind. And then he used this example of, uh, well, he was saying that time, it's like a weird abstraction and that if you remove it from what you're considering, then if you play the same fragment of music or say the same phrase as someone else did in another period of time and or space, like if you remove those two variables that make up existence, then the two persons are actually saying the same thing sort of like simultaneously. So then you get like this big, like use the example, the phrase uh, rich, rich chocolatey, chocolatey goodness. Good. And he was like, just saying like, if we could actually isolate every person who has ever said that phrase and played at the same time, it would be like a chorus of millions of people saying it. And it should be a fantastic thing that, like for now only exists in our imaginations, but that's true for any other thing in the world, I guess, any other concept or idea or memory. Right. So the book is The Crying of Lot 49. And uh, had I told you about this idea before or not? Yeah, you like briefly mention it. Because I think this this is a, the, the character's name is Mucho Mas. <laughs> Yeah. And he's a secondary character. He's been taking too much acid. But that's the one thing that stuck with me from the book. And like, since I read it, it just had this idea of all these timelines, like little, like every person's individual life just being a little wave pattern and aligning them all together to an uh, arbitrary point on an arbitrary point. Uh, hence the title, Rich Chocolatey Goodness, where I'm just going to be trying to catch up with uh, old friends and at the end of the show, I'm going to ask you to say a phrase, which you probably know what it is now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, the <laughs> and, uh, ideally this will build up over time, over episodes so that I will have this giant chorus of all my friends and people I know saying rich chocolatey goodness. Sounds lovely. And that's the whole point. Yes. Uh, so we might as well just... Like, just say it and be done with it and stop the yeah. that we care about our conversation. <laughs> just ask people to say it and send it in by mail. I don't know. That, that, that seems like, like you could go on the street on a microphone just asking people to say it. Yeah, just make a massive recording of it and uh, yeah. get a scholarship for some sort of art project. Yeah, like they're just waiting... Like, as long as you can, like, justify it academically, you can get, at the very least, like, an artistic residence, like a place to live in a weird city, just to do something. Go to China and teach people how to speak English just so they can say, so they can all say rich chocolatey goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent right now because recently I've been thinking about my retirement plan and it goes all right. <laughs> something along the lines. So I was thinking just spend the rest of my adult life learning as many languages as possible and then like finding one dish that it's like almost the exact same in different cultures. You know, like tamales and dim sum are like the same thing or like every culture has like their own version of tacos and kebabs and empanadas. Yeah, and 
you just find the one dish that it's cross-cultural, then go to a city that's like multicultural, like Berlin or maybe Bangkok, and open up a little, like maybe a cart or a little shop and just have like present that, but like in all languages and just try to sell it in different languages, depending on who's passing by and being able to speak all those languages. Just like, yes, uh, compra unos tacos or... Whatever, <laughs> just uh, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I mean, I still don't know more than two languages, so it's a long way to go. But it's a retirement plan, so you know, there's still some years to do it. Yeah, I think I think empanadas would be the one I've seen the most often. No? Uh, yeah, I mean, like every culture has their own version. Empanadas, calzones. Yeah. Um, I was thinking also like mole. Like there's a parallel between mole and curry. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, mole, curry, barbecue sauce. Um, I don't know. I still need to figure out African cuisine. I think there is an African uh, dish that's somewhat similar to mole. North African, I believe. I, only because I've heard around here in Paris when I've made mole for people, they're like, oh, it's like this. And I don't know what it is, but. Well, I mean, it's it makes sense. Like, everything actually comes from Africa. I didn't know we were going that far. But all right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that is an excellent idea. Perhaps very hard to do, but very fun to think about. Well, I mean, as long as I'm stuck in traffic and I have language audiobooks, it's a possibility. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. So, yeah. This is a little strange because the whole point of the podcast is catching up uh, with old friends, but you and I have been in touch lately, quite often, but for very pragmatic reasons and still have no idea what's actually going on with your life. Until last week, I found out that you were living in Airbnbs. That's correct. Although not, not anymore. Right. So why, what happened? So when, when did you leave... Uh, Tijuana. I don't... Well, I've been working in San Diego for two years and I work as a contractor for a software development company. So contracts are always like my first contract was nine months and my second contract was um, six months. And this one is going to be nine months, I think. Although this one I want to extend if possible. Uh, so during my first uh, contract, I started living with uh, another friend of ours called uh, Pedro Cota, because mm -hmm. he lived in Chula Vista, south of San Diego. And like when I tried to look for an apartment, I had zero credit or zero, you know, history in the state, so I didn't even get like callbacks. So I started just uh, living in his uh, living room. Uh, once that contract ended, it's when I went for to Europe for three months that it aligned with your wedding. And then we met again in Portugal. Ne next contract, the short one, I had decided to just uh, rent an apartment in Mexico, like really near to the border and just commute around an hour and a half every day, like each way. So it was kind of painful, but I got a chance to catch up with a bunch of books I wanted to read. Like I listened to all of Game of Thrones, like an Arthur C. Clarke anthology that was like... Eight. At the border? Yeah, like not at the border, but like border and just driving because I work uh, in the northern part of San Diego. So it was like half an hour at the border and then 40 minutes like just to get to my work. So yeah, I... I read an anthology of short science fiction stories by Arthur C. Clarke that were like eight hours each. And during that period, I also started having a long distance relationship. So when my contract ended, I decided to move with this girl to Mazatlan. Once living down there, it took me like two or three months. It took us to realize that we didn't want to be together. So I moved back to TJ. Uh, called the people at my work whom I said, hello, like I had said goodbye forever, but then like, hey, can you have me back? They said, sure. So I came back to the States, but I had no apartment or anything. I was staying with my parents and I decided that I wanted to look for a place like really near to my work. 
And turns out one of my coworkers was going to have a spare room, like five minute drive, like 15 minutes in bicycle to get there from work to home. But the room became available like a week ago. So during that period, like I said, okay, I already have like a good room to move to. I don't want to drive every day. So I decided to live in Airbnbs, which like during the week and then go, I went back the weekends to TJ. I mean, it was expensive, but, you know, it was more expensive than a room. It was cheaper than an apartment. So like I just accepted that for a fact and did that for about eight weeks. Damn. Uh, eight weeks is a, it's a long time. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's tough. So all this time you were living in San Diego and now you're settled in and that problem's over. Yeah, problem's over. Now I get to do things in the afternoons and like actually live in the same place as always. That's, I mean, you don't notice how, mo how nice it is until you stop doing it for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, uh, When I was in San Diego, I was never really happy because I was either staying at friends' houses when I had my apartment in Playas, in Tijuana, or I just didn't like the house. Yeah, so I was never really, I never enjoyed San Diego as a local. Yeah, and that same thing happens to me right now. I've lived next to San Diego like my entire life. And well, I don't go as often just like to party or for recreational or social activities. And now I think it's the time to sort of like rediscover San Diego and understand it as, as a city with, you know, its ups and downs and its trends and like spirits or ghosts or, you know, its rhythms, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, I was always, uh, I'd never appreciate it because I always thought it's just, it's not TJ. So it was just the thing where I, the place where I was which meant I couldn't be in TJ. Like, I'm only here because I want to make more money here. But now that I'm, I'm over here in Paris, I realized that uh, I was an idiot for not enjoying all that delicious beer. I didn't know that that was something that was happening over there. I thought it was the whole world. Yeah. And, and there's breweries everywhere. I feel the same way. Like, sometimes I think about, like, cities where I felt like super comfortable, like from day one, like San Francisco or Berlin were like cities. I just feel like I just fit so well over there, but that's not my situation right now. And San Diego has a bunch of stuff to enjoy as well. So at least for the next few months, maybe a couple of years, I just want to get the best out of it. So you're ready to stay there for a while? For a little while. Yeah. Because when you were here, you were, you got the Europe bug and you wanted to, you were thinking about looking for work over here. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Like the two things that I would say are keeping me from just saying like, oh, I'll go to Europe or the three things it's um, one, like my family we're right now at a stage where we need to work together to get over some stuff that i i don't want to leave unattended uh number two like there's a lot of great things in europe but cuisine is something i really really miss from the americas especially from mexico but also san diego has this rich asian food culture and So family, food, and right now also like employment, being a developer in California, you know, and having this life where I can, you know, save money and invest and spend money in TJ. It's like, a, I think it's like a really, really good opportunity, like to build some patrimony that would be like way harder to do living in Europe. Oh, yeah. So that's like my... Well, that's my situation right now. What are you investing in, if you don't mind me asking? Well, right now I'm in the part where I'm just saving money and trying to look for opportunities. Like I'm thinking about real estate, but I still don't have enough money to like 
actually start making decisions, but I'm trying to be on the lookout for, you know, to understand like how that business works, at least uh, a little bit. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of my element. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember the last time we hung out? Like in Portugal? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, I was trying to remember today uh, when I was preparing for this, and uh, I just had that image of that old man. <laughs> Wait, which which old man? Like, remind me. So we ran into a group of uh, other... Well, first there was that one Mexican guy who went, was very nice at the beginning and then started saying some weird things. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another group. They were all staying at the same hostel, so they, we went out for food and drinks together. And then at the very end, some people started going and you and I wanted to keep going. And we found this uh, drag bar. Yeah. That's when everybody else left. I don't know. I just remember that feeling of walking in. It just felt so good. Just like being in TJ again. Like, ah, it's like being at home. Yeah. I mean, that that felt nice. And uh, you remember the bartender? Yeah. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I tell people about him like still like often. What what do you tell? Like, and for listeners, like, this is a bartender that had, like, the kindest eyes. Like, I don't know if the kindest eyes I've seen, but at that moment, they felt like that. And he was, like, super friendly and super, like, interested in just doing a good job. Like, what? how would you describe him? Well, he, I think it was evident for him that we were a little out of place, but he was still very nice. And when he heard that we were from uh, Tijuana, he's, he had been there. I think he said he was from Brazil. He was from Rio, I think. I don't know. But he was from a big city. And then he had been to Tijuana and he knew like Revolution Street and, <laughs> and all the bad parts. And then my favorite part was that I saw him like he was very serious, like swiping things on his phone. And behind him, there was a little fridge. And on the fridge, I could see the reflections. And it was just pictures of dudes asses <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah I, I did not notice that <laughs> that's what made it so good because he was he, he was so kind and gentle that even that like he was doing it with such a like i don't know like elegance it was kind of like on the big lebowski when when he gets the idea to uh scribble on the paper and he sees what he was writing before is just a drawing of a dick <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I just have that memory because it's very weird that that's uh, it was like a little like a portal, and I felt back at home like ah, this was nice. Yeah. Whereas the next day was horrible. Oh, I remember <laughs> your next day. Mine wasn't as bad. I was doing really bad. I called uh, Pedro, the other Pedro, and uh, I waited for him somewhere where there was grass, and I was just like lying on the grass like. Ugh. Uh, I think Rick and Morty was coming out that day. So I just sat there and watched Rick and Morty episodes in the park. Yeah, I don't super remember like how we got home. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was thanks to you because like I really had a hard time like figuring out with, where things were over there and that while sober. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. My autopilot works over there. Yeah. Because you did you live in Porto for a while? No, I didn't live, but I spent... Uh... I think it was like two weeks. It felt like a, like a lifetime, but I spent like two weeks there with just some dudes I met and like in the squat and uh, just got to know the city. Not the whole city, just the, the central part where we were. Yeah. Like there's a whole other part that I, I don't really know. But after that, I've been there a couple of times because of Pedro and uh, also with my wife to show her around. So yeah, it feels kind of like home, but I'd never felt that combination of that one bar we went to because it was a different type of home. Yeah. Have you ever tried to find that bar again? Uh, well, I haven't. Definitely not the day after you left. I felt horrible. <laughs> yeah. Wait, actually, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I did. I was I was telling, because I went, uh, I had dinner with Pedro that night. Pedro and uh, his wife and some friends. And I was telling them about it. And they couldn't figure it out. And yeah, I forgot about this whole thing. It was kind of like those ghost stories where like you show up and there's a different store and there's nothing there. And I was telling them about the dirty old man with the kind eyes. And, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I couldn't find it. 
but uh, you know, that's it was in an improbable place. It was like in an office building. There's a good chance that I get I was mistaken when I was looking for it. But yeah, I mean, and I think we just stumbled upon that bar. <laughs> like we were just like walking around, like refusing to end the night. Yeah, and I mean, and I want to say like kudos to that girl that actually stuck with us all the way until we were partying there. Yeah, yeah. I became Facebook friends with the dude. He's doing something about lemurs, something about making bags, and by selling bags, the lemurs get saved, something like that. Oh, well, I, when you said they were making bags, <laughs> I thought you meant like out of lemurs. <laughs> yeah, that was probably it. No, he was doing something nice. Uh, I think he was living in Berlin and. uh I don't know. He was, he was saving some animal with some improbable thing like a tote bag. But yeah, we were looking for different things. We just wanted to party and uh, we had a little portal open up. Um, so here's another question that I've had yeah. um, for a while. And since we've been talking about pragmatic stuff, we never got around to that. But for a while, after you came back from Mazatlan, you were really into efficiency, which is when I started getting the idea for this podcast. And then I never asked you about it. You were all into like, gotta get things done. Gotta have to, have to work. Yeah. Well, when I came back from Mazatlan, my whole world was completely upside down. I mean, two months or three months before I had made the decision like to move to a different city and start a life with this person and she had kids. So I was going to become um, like a family man, like a parent. And then like suddenly and really stupidly on my part, like all that got destroyed. So I came back to TJ and I had no goals, no idea of where I was going to go. And like I was staying with my parents and they were going through a rough time with my brother. And I just like got into this mindset of trying to fit everything into little boxes of solvable problems. I felt like unaccomplished and like I hadn't done anything with a, like I was back at square one and sort of just started to reorganize everything from there. But my perspective was like, I had no emotional compass at all. So I just like tried to focus on low hanging pragmatic goals. And, you know, slowly I started putting things back, back together. All right. I didn't know it was that bad. You know, that's, did I tell you that's kind of what I was going through? <laughs> I think so. Or at least I felt something like that from you. And like at that moment I was reading and consuming a lot of literature. Well, specifically, I was reading a lot about how there are these situations about how childhood trauma affect the way you react to certain circumstances in life. And that like at, in your childhood, it's a survival instinct. Like in many situations, like money problems or your parents fighting or feeling out of place and children just have these defense mechanisms of fight or flight. Or sometimes if you can't fly, you just start debating yourself and then that develops into ADD. Or I mean, the doctors that were doing this research map like 10 different childhood trauma situation to all kinds of illnesses in an adult, like from ADD to heart disease to addiction. And I was trying to like figure out where my, like, I mean, I felt like shit and like I needed to fix something in myself and I didn't have like a good idea on what, what to work on. And I started reading this theory and I started talking about it. And then I think when I talked to you, you were also going through this process of like not knowing how to start things or how to work on something like I perceived you like diffused and then I, I told you what I was going through and I think somehow it resonated with you and now, you know, doing a podcast across continents. So I guess it's working out a little bit. Yeah, it almost didn't because I almost went into the old habit of a... Uh... So my problem is not being able to start things because I get too demanding 
And then meanwhile, everybody else does things and then I get jealous or angry because everybody else is succeeding. And I feel like, well, I could do good. I could do better or not necessarily better, but I could do something of equal value. But I never do it because I set all these. Uh, I don't allow myself to start. And uh, I almost got into that with the podcast. I went crazy researching microphones and how do microphones work and how do sound waves travel and, you know, just insane with every little detail. Like I finally got the microphone that I could afford and then like, well, what if I build this? And then what just step after step after step, you know, like there's an infinite number of steps, but you could find an infinity in between every step. And just expanding that forever. So that was getting pretty annoying. So yeah, that was kind of the point of starting the podcast. One, telling myself that I was able to get something going, if not finishing, but at least get it running. Yeah. Which I guess we are till it airs. <laughs> and uh, two, the other one was a bit more uh, just, you know, catching up because like I said, fucking messenger and that stuff allows you to talk and either you send funny shit or you just communicate like for what we're doing but we don't you know you have no idea where people are emotionally and uh, this is a good way of catching up with everybody so if one thing fails at least i'll have a record of conversations with friends yeah that's how i was looking at it and i mean i think that on its own is awesome but it's pretty cool you know right now to be recording i feel like it's uh you know this sort of a uh, step at a time kind of situation like it's, it even feels like from an AA program where you say, just take it one day at a time. And even like right now I'm on vacation and I'm doing this recording and I bought the microphone in my mind and in my heart, taking this effort to do this is like a ritual. Like I would love to live a life where I could just uh, travel and record and have my life packed up and saved and I mean, I'm not sure like podcasting is my passion, but this travel and discovering cities and doing something with it and having communication with people around the world, I feel that is my thing. And taking all the effort to manifest it, regardless of where this goes, the fact that I took action sort of gets uh, marked in my brain as a little success, as a little accomplishment that then I can use to nurture the next step. Like, like say, oh, this went well, let's do the next thing. Yeah, to feel like you are accomplishing things, in fact, you're not just uh, failing. Yeah, and there's a lot of literature around how just like visualizing stuff becomes like a first step to actually accomplishing it. And then like when it works, it almost feels like if it was magic. And I'm going to give you like an example of this that like you can read it as a complete coincidence or you can read it as something else. But I've been going to therapy and I've been going with this guy that's like really, really into it and he really reads about it and researches but he's like an alternative therapist so he's not like limited like uh you know like i'm an analyst or i'm a gestalt therapist or a cognitive conductive therapist like he just reads from everything like from science books also from magic books and when i was looking for an apartment or i was considering he told me like well tell me what apartment you you want and like I described it and I wrote it down and I said, well, I want a place that's near to work, that's comfortable, that it's cheap. And he was just saying like, what else? What else? And I said, and I wanted to have a pool. He said, okay. While I was telling him that he was writing it down in a whiteboard. And then he told me, all right, you're going to go home. You're going to make a drawing of whatever you want. And in the back, you're going to write this, like if it was a spell. And you're going to put it under your pillow. I did. And I said, I did, because why not? And that was, I saw him on Saturday. Why not? That's a good, that's a good reason, but it's still. On Monday, you know, I arrived to work and it came up in conversation that I was looking for a place to live. And one of my coworkers, she said, oh, well, I have a free room in my house. I was like, oh, cool. When can I go see it? And then when I go see the room like a week after, it's five minutes from work. It's 
cheap for San Diego standards, and it has a pool, like the exact things I wrote down. Yeah, no, I'm not. It's it it still fits a lot of descriptions though. But well, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not saying whoa, it worked magically, but it's sort of like I had been looking at rooms and they were more expensive and and whatever it worked. And then like as I kept my work with this guy, we started doing like a lot of like visualization exercises of like where do you want to be in life? How do you see yourself? But then, like, keep thinking about it, and like, all this works. Like, give it a color, give it a texture, and the way that works is that, like, if I have an idea and I just write it down, well, in my brain, like, it's just a string of text. But if I give it a shape or a color or a texture, it starts building more, uh, like, a bigger neurological structure in it, so it gets ingrained deeper in your consciousness and in your subconsciousness. And that allows you to like keep it in your mind and make it easy to work toward the goal. And and I mean, and this is not magic. This is just neuroscience. Like if you want to do something, like make it bigger in your mind, and then it's gonna become like a stronger reference in your day to day life. And that's a practice that sort of has helped me a lot, like to get through my breakup, depression, and like start putting things together in my life. So what what are some of the things you're uh, you've been working on? So I mean, you 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 just mentioned a lot, but yeah, I know like these things that you're giving texture to. So things I'm specifically working on right now, um, I'm taking a concept art class, which is really tough because it's about like thinking about art, not just like relying on dexterity of my hands. And it's like an academic program, so it's tough. So that's fun. That's something I'm working on. And I'm narrowing out my subject. Then I actually started thinking about working with, well, the project you and I have, the building the comic. Like, I think it's part of that because I realized I want to work with expats, but I'm going to work like right now my, in my context, in my work, there's a lot of people who left their countries to come work to California. And there's a lot of different reasoning behind all of them, like for money, for culture, because they come from places where they're not comfortable in. So my art project is directed to that. Um, Aside from that project, I'm also working on my health and I've been climbing and doing yoga and like improving at that, which is I think it's the sport I've devoted most time, like my entire life, because I'm not a, like, I've never liked team sports and I surfed for a while, but surfing gets tough when you live away from the beach. So I have that, I have sports, I have my profession that requires quite a bit of studying, which I still need to really allocate more time to it other than the time I spend in work, because it's just a field that's evolving like really, really quickly. I still need to find a place for music, but I do have this goal to start recording myself, uh, covering songs with my ukulele, practicing my singing voice. And at some point I want to get back in the dating game. So for the time being, that's like my spectrum of things I'm working on or I'm trying to work on. So that's that. It's a lot. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Yeah. All right. So it's funny how I guess we both kind of understood and kind of pushed each other without really explicitly saying it. Or maybe we did at one point, but yeah, I was also feeling kind of desperate in terms of uh, completing things. But I don't know. I'll, I'll have you tell me more about this giving texture to things because I definitely need to find the... I mean, for the past two months, I've been really good. I've been working hard on doing like small steps instead of just being so like thinking about this perfect product at the end, which is the reason why I never completed anything. Yeah. So, you know, slowly, like I finished my photo portfolio. Um, it still could be a lot better, but that's the reason why I never posted it because I kept thinking, no, I'll, I'll make the website better. I'll write something for the series. I'll do that. I think I started that like two years ago and I just posted it. I mean, the final update, like, recently. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, sounds corny, but that saying that 
perfect is the opposite of the good. It's completely true, especially like, you know, if you're like an overthinker. Yeah, I just wonder how much of the overthinking is just an excuse. Uh, I was what you were saying at the beginning about kids and coping mechanisms. Pretty sure there was a bunch of weird stuff that got that <laughs> that happened when I was a kid. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was some sort of a reaction to that. But you know, I'm not looking for excuses. I always think on the other like, there's two things that keep me motivated. Two like uh, phrases that I keep telling myself, and I don't always follow them. One was uh, my friend Tomas told me about writing because I kept complaining that I didn't have discipline. And he told me this story, which I'm not sure if it's true, about Garcia Marquez, who said he only wrote one page a day. He never wrote more than that. And he would finish it, just leave it at that. And then the next day, he would look at that page, correct it, edit it, make the necessary changes, and write another page, and then leave it at that. And he said, if you stick to that rhythm... By the end of the year, you have 365 very well-polished uh, pages. And that makes so much sense. <laughs> it makes it sound so easy. Um, but, I, you know, I've never been able to convince myself to do that. I've maybe done it for like a week tops. And then the other one is just this Woody Allen uh, quote. It says, 60% uh, of success is just showing up. And that's... Uh, that's what I think about when I see things and I go like, oh, come on, like I could have like, but every time I, I get angry for saying I could have done something like that, it's my fault for not having done it. Because if it's that easy, uh, you know, why didn't I? Yeah. I often struggle with like, well, you just said it when I finished talking, you say, whoa, that's a lot. And I struggle with actually choosing what to focus on. And for most of my life, or at least when I finished college, my way to approach life was, I don't know what I want from life. I don't know what I want to get from it. So I'm just going to learn a bunch of different stuff so that when I figure out what I want, I'm going to have the right tools to catch up. I mean, I, I thought that that was okay. Then I realized due to this year's experience, to this relationship, that that's not how the world works. I actually need to, like figuring out what you want is not something that just appears one day like as a, like a revelation, like you wake up and say, now I will know what I want with my life, but it's something that you like construct and work on it and define. So that's a new process for me and involves saying no to a lot of things that at some point I would have said maybe to them or just try them and then lose interest and fail. And now even the things I want to do, like they're still not clear. I, that process of visualizing things for me is still like really hard to do and to keep up. But now I'm realizing that the reason it's so hard for me is because I've never worked on it. And that there's tools and that there are methods and professionals and practices. And, you know, it's similar to trying to learn a, to play an instrument, except this instrument is now my life. Yep. Uh, I don't know what to say because you're saying a lot of the things that are in my head. So I'm surprised we hadn't had this conversation before. Uh, I, I feel very, very frustrated Precisely because I've, I feel like I've made so many false starts and now I'm starting to panic that I'm 34, well, I'm turning 34 and I'm still kind of at the starting line, you know? And same thing, like I picked up little things like, oh, I want to learn how to do this and I do that and I want to know how to do that and I do that. And uh, very happy about all those choices, but it starts getting scary, you know, when you see other people moving on and I don't have a clear path. I don't want to, I'm an English teacher. I don't want to be teaching English. That's not my uh, calling yeah. at all. And then there's so many things that call me, like there's, there, there's photography where I, it's kind of an expensive hobby. I want to make it something more than a hobby. Uh, same thing with music. I want to practice, but there's no time for everything. You either do everything half-ass or you choose one thing and you devote all your time to it which in my case should be the phd but i'm i don't know i feel there's uh this thing with people i want to say like us that we're not able or we're not interested in aligning like with something particular 
like a musician who could fall in love with an instrument and give that instrument like his, you know, their whole lives and just be the best guitarist or the, just like channeling all your energy through one path. And recently I've made that observation with uh, my climbing friends, like for many of them climbing, it's the thing they do outside of work. I think it's all climbing people. It's a cult. I've never met a climbing person who's not obsessed. Yeah. It's like vegans. I guess it's a little bit like that. And in the social circle, it's just around climbing. And I'm definitely not progressing as fast as all the other guys. But then they're not painting or writing or podcasting or, you know, even the people they date, they date climbers and they climb together. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Like, I wouldn't mind at all if I could find a passion that worked like that, but it's not the way my brain works because my brain, it's, you know, a little bit more scattered and I'm interested in a bunch of different things, but that means that I'm not going to be an excellent, all of those things, but my, if I want to be an excellent person or like, I want to grow, my growth is going to be figuring out the relationship between all the things I like doing and myself and how to give value to that relationship, you know, just to give like a little example, like I like climbing and I like drawing and I like playing music. So I can be the guy that plays music at campfires and I can design shirts for climbing. And yeah, I'm not going to be the greatest shirt designer nor the greatest ukulele player, not the greatest uh, climber. But there's a personality, like that ability to touch those three dimensions and be the path for other illustrators to pay attention to the sport or for climbers to pay attention to music or, you know, like, I feel like definitely I want to end up in this middle ground of like having a very diverse input and output life. But like my challenge is to be able to balance all of that in a way that it allows me to do it and to enjoy it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, if I hear you correctly, uh, you want to be the Jack Johnson of rock climbing. Is that it? Well, that specific description <laughs> like breaks my heart. <laughs> or the Donovan Frankenrider uh, <laughs> of rock climbing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who that that guy is. I think he was like a like Jack Johnson took him under his wing oh. from the time where I lived in San Diego, and you could only listen to ninety one X, and it was always the same stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I do want my songs to sound like you know like different from each other. <laughs> yeah, um, I couldn't help uh, making that comparison, but uh, God damn it, you've put a lot of thought into this. Uh, all I've been doing is whining. But I haven't really, I thought I'd been putting work into it, but I think I haven't. Uh, so I'm going to have to pick your brain some more about this. Did you say that guy, that's, uh, that guy you're going to therapy also looks at magic? Is he like, like Khodorovsky type stuff or? Uh, yeah, kind of. Like he doesn't like directly looks at, I mean, of course, he's familiar with Hodorowski and he's taking workshops in Peru and he studied abroad in uh, Valparaíso for a while. But he's just like in his therapy, he incorporates like everything and he's mentalized. Like he says he wants to be Baja California's greatest therapist. Like it's not that he like officially is or if there's even a metric for that. But I think he's doing a great job of really connecting with people. And, you know, like he has his private practice, but he also volunteers uh, in Zona Norte with, uh, you know, like he works with children that are the sons of addicts from that. Um, for listeners who don't know, like Zona Norte, how would you describe it, Pedro? It's a red light district, but in Tijuana, it's like a really bad zone yeah so you know there's a lot of drugs there's a lot of addiction of homelessness of mob and yeah so this guy like he shows me these practices and i, I relate them to magic because i study a little bit of magic so what huh well what, what, what do you mean i mean like at some point i learned that um 
Alan Moore considers himself a wizard. So I started listening to a lot of interviews he's given about it and how he believes in magic and in the not magic in a childish way, you know, not like poof, science or the universe gets bent because you wish for something, but magic as in like, like in the world of ideas and the world of writing. And he, he treats concepts like, uh, for example, Dante Alighieri, when he writes the Pope into hell, he pretty much condemned the Pope to forever in history be considered a ba bad person. So in an almost literal way, he cursed the Pope. And the, that Pope has been cursed for eternity in, in culture. Like not, you know, you can argue like, well, what is the soul? Maybe he's in heaven or maybe he no longer exists or whatever. But in the realm of shared consciousness, that Pope has been cursed by the very first poet who wrote the very first piece of literature that actually has an author. So it's sort of like that approach to magic. But then there's a lot of lore around it. Like when you see all magical practices, like from the ancient times all up until now, Like you start to see like some wisdom in it. Another example, horoscopes. Like a lot of people can give you shit and say, why would the position of the stars affect your life? But then the position of the stars actually means something on the time of the year it is. So like a baby born in winter would have a way harder time than a baby born in summer. And then also, if you ever looked at the sky without city lights, you know, it's like a huge thing full of bright dots and That was the sky for everyone up until like electricity was invented. And people just looked at it and thought about it and it affected them the same way television affects us. So if you're seeing the sky and you're seeing this huge soap opera of gods fighting each other and heroes and whatever, that all that filters into your psyche. And then that actually impacts the way you behave or the person you are. And in that sense... You know, that's the sort of approach I take on magic. I mean, of course, like if you start reading stuff, like there's a lot of bullshit and there's a lot of misinterpretations. But, you know, that's also true for people who make videos about quantum theory, which is the most like scientifically ma mathematical, physical theory that we use to understand and modify like objectively the universe. So... Go magic. <laughs> All right. So I'm very happy because I thought we were just going to be joking around. I was <laughs> I was not expecting to have a conversation this serious. Uh, this is exactly what I wanted. So thank you. Like all these things that we had never gotten a chance to talk about because we're always, you know, messenger doesn't allow for these type of conversations. Yeah. So it's fun. This is... Uh, Uh, I almost say we should do it again. Um, and we we need to talk anyway to talk about the comic, uh, which I thought we were going to have time to do here, but there's lots of other stuff to do. Well, but we I, need I to pick it we up. were talking about the comic. What? <laughs> nah, I, uh, I mean, just being like not intentionally, but like at some point, all these things that we're talking about, there are the things that are living in my head. So they'll probably find their way into those pages. Yeah, yeah. And well, I just want to say this thing about the comic. Uh, that thing you sent me, like, I almost cried. I felt ridiculous. It's uh, it's incredible. It's uh, beautiful. It felt really, like, it's strange. So uh, I, I wrote a little text um, about some writers that I like and some coincidences, et cetera, et cetera. And... Uh, I gave it to Alex to make a, to turn it into a comic. And to be honest, I had, we had mentioned for a while that we were going to try and do something together, but I could never get down to writing the ideas or they were always too uh, ambitious. So I never could get down to writing them. But in my head, I was, I was ready to make concessions, you know, because it's like a very, it's something I wrote with a lot of uh, tenderness. And in my head, I was like, all right, I have to, 
accept the fact that somebody's going to turn this into something else and it's not going to be 100% what you want. You got to accept that. And it was so nice to like just see that first image you sent, which is like just beyond expectations. Now you're kind of screwed because you have to keep doing stuff that's that good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, like I had actually like, I mean, it's been a while since we started since you gave me the text and I hadn't actually produced any images because I was also like just stuck in my head, like thinking what's the perfect way that Pedro would love for me to capture this. And that actually expresses like what I want to contribute to it. And I was like, just stuck in a huge loop of overthinking it and thinking about like, maybe like even following well, I mean, I, I have a bunch of ideas around it that I guess we'll, we'll have to save for the next episode. Mm -hmm. But then this image, like I just said, like, okay, I'm just going to interpret this in the most literal way. I'm going to draw the three portraits with just one line of the three people mentioned in the writing, you being among the three. And then I'm going to do the same thing for the brains and just uh, sort of kind of do a map of, you know, like, the footprint that in my mind is Paris because it's not, you know, like a real map, but I just like remember the street, the streets that are kind of circular, like kind of not, not on a perfect grid and the river. And, and I just like, it was an exercise of just not overthinking it and just putting it on, um, well, not on paper, but on pixels, I guess. And I just wanted to show you to see what you think. I wasn't expecting you to like it that much. No, yeah, this is now I'm like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay off. I'm just going to bug you to push you for time, but I'm going to lay off because I had this whole idea of setting the mood and all that, but no, I'll just trust you. Yeah. All right, well, I, what I'll do is that I will include that drawing. Hopefully there'll be more in the link and, uh, and we'll put any other link you want to include in there. And the episode title, which is, you thought about it? I have a title in I, my head. I don't. Like, I've tried to think about it, but I'm... Uh... Let's see. We talked about uh, starting things. What else? Therapy. Therapy. Magic. Rock climbing. Portugal. Oh, yeah. The guy with the sweet old, sweet eyes. Dirty kind eyes. Yeah. Dirty Kind Eyes is good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that or the Jack Johnson of rock climbing. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that doesn't do you justice. It's just funny. but <laughs> Yeah, but I think, I don't know. I, I like it too, like, because it hurts a little bit. <laughs> All right. So you choose Dirty Kind Eyes or the Jack Johnson of, of uh, rock climbing. Um, I don't know. Why not both? You know, like, what's the name of that Kubrick's movie? How <laughs> I Learned to Love the Bomb? <laughs> yeah. True. The, the Jack Johnson of rock climbing or How I Learned to Love Dirty Kind Eyes. I was thinking the other way, like Dirty Kind Eyes or the Jack Johnson of rock climbing. Okay, that's the title. Thank you, Alex. And the name of the show is... Rich, Rich chocolatey, chocolatey goodness. Thanks for listening. Rich Chocolatey Goodness is produced by my friend, Pedro Escobar, and myself, Benjamin Morse. Music by Marco Moreno, with a little help from Pedro. You can find extra features, photos, and links from this episode on Instagram and Facebook at Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Follow us to get all the rich, chocolatey updates and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify for new goodness delivered to you every other Sunday. And if you like what you heard, be sure to leave a comment and rating. It really helps us a lot, especially during this early stage of our show.